Welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. My name is Michael and I am your host. Today we are having a talk with Lou Carpenter and Aaron Kendall of the National Wildlife Federation. National Wildlife Federation is North America's largest conservation organization, an absolute powerhouse doing good for our wildlife, our habitat, our public lands. Some of you may know this and some of you may not, but the Arizona Wildlife Federation is the state affiliate for the National Wildlife Federation. This allows us to um, sort of uh, direct their policy, have a hand in directing their policy, and you'll hear more about that in, uh, in this show. Um, it also, being an affiliate of the National Wildlife Federation, benefits us in a number of ways uh, in, in our outreach and and you know the programs like Garden for Wildlife, which we'll have a show coming up really soon about. So look for that. So yeah, this is a great show. It's going to explain that relationship that we have with the National Wildlife Federation. It's going to talk about the work the National Wildlife Federation does. It's going to talk about you know the the difference in like the sporting side of things uh, versus the you know environmental side of things and how those those two factors come together in in, in the middle to create some really sound and pragmatic and balanced policy. I enjoyed this. The two fellows I've got on here are great guys. I consider them friends. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy this show. Um, but before we get to it, we're going to do a few announcements. Now, I have gotten some feedback that sometimes this announcement portion drags on a little too long. And I can't disagree. So I'm going to try to make these more concise. I'm going to keep doing them because I think they provide a lot of value to you, the listener, so you know what's going on and how to get in touch with all of these conservation organizations around the state. And it also helps them. So, you know, it's I want to lift up all of our great conservation organizations and the work they do, and I want to connect you with them. So I'm going to keep doing these, but I'm going to try to make them a little bit more concise. If you have any thoughts on that or any other thoughts at all, you can reach me at podcast at azwildlife.org. So don't ever hesitate to reach out with your thoughts or ideas or suggestions. Okay, let's see. First up, Valley of the Sun Quail Forever are having a small game challenge pint night and trivia at Hus Brewing in, I think it's in Tempe. I'll have a link below. But uh, yeah, don't miss this. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there talking about finishing the small game challenge on my own. So I hope to meet you there if you if you do. If you hear, heard about it here and you make it to this event on August 15th at 6.30, please come up and say hello to me and let me know. Next up, uh, Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is having their annual mushroom hunt on August 19th. Registration is limited to 50. Last year, this was really popular and filled up fast. So if you're interested, get registered now. Be forewarned. We have not had the greatest monsoon up here. So... If things are dry and the mushrooms aren't popping, we're going to have to cancel it. But go ahead and keep that date open because that night we are having a pint night up here in Flagstaff. I will I will make sure that I get somewhere. I haven't picked the spot yet, but we, uh, we're going to have a, a pint night. And we're going to base this whole pint night around the proposed Grand Canyon National Monument. So if you have questions, and, and primarily I'm talking to, to my sporting friends here, if you have questions about this pint night, if you have concerns about access for hunting and angling, um, come see us. I'm going to explain all of the work that we have done to ensure that we are going to keep access open for hunting and angling, access open for game and fish department to get in there and manage wildlife and do their job. So I'm going to explain all this to you. So if you got questions about that, this is one you don't want to miss. And 
Pint nights are always a great time. So I hope to see you there. Look for more information. Then, all right, yeah, coming up. Dove season is coming right around the corner. September 9th, we are having the annual Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I say we, I shouldn't say we, this is Arizona Wildlife Federation, but as many of you know, I also serve as a vice chair for Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Uh, we are having our Yuma Dove Hunt early that morning, followed by the annual cook-off and a pint night thereafter. Always, a, it's hot, but it's always a blast. So come down, hunt some doves with us, win the cook-off, and uh, come celebrate at the pint night. All right, um, and these are a little bit farther out. I'll have more information later. But to mark your calendars, September 29th through October 1st is the joint AWF and BHA annual family squirrel camp. One of my favorite events. It's a blast for adults. It's a blast for kids. It's a blast if you're brand new or if you are a seasoned squirrel hunter. So this is one you don't want to miss. It's my favorite. I always have a great time at it. Everybody does. Um, look for more information on that in the next show. And then number five, Arizona Trail Association is hiring a trail director and a trail technician. So if you enjoy our public lands, if you enjoy getting out hiking and backpacking, this just might be the job for you. I'll leave a link below in the notes for more information there. That is it for our announcements. I really hope you enjoy the show with the National Wildlife Federation. Um, I am certainly proud to be an affiliate of the National Wildlife Federation. They do a lot of great work. And boy, do they have an impact nationwide. So enjoy the show, and I'll see you after. gentlemen thank you for being here um i'll uh, I'll, I'll put it I, I guess i can call you guys colleagues i'm here with a couple of colleagues of mine uh from the national wildlife federation and correct me if i'm wrong but that is the largest conservation organization in the country correct no doubt awesome well let's start with some simple introductions fellas tell me who you are uh what you do and uh, we'll start with you aaron Okay, we'll go with me, Aaron Kindle. I'm the director of sporting advocacy for NWF, which means I, I run our advocacy portion of our of our hunting and angling portfolio. So work with folks like you, affiliates across the country. Work with Lou. Lou has a has a personal sporting portfolio that he brings quite a bit to to our work. So you know we work on everything from you know conveying policy that's happening on the hill back in D.C. to stateside issues that might be happening in you know, wildlife commissions to just overall promoting hunting and angling conservation across the country. Awesome. How about you, Lou? Yeah. Well, I'm uh, the director of conservation partnerships here in the Intermountain West. And I, that means I work directly with our, our affiliates. We have 52 state and territory affiliates. I work with six of them. Um, I work with Arizona. I work with you all down there in the Southwest. I work with New Mexico, Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming and Nevada. And uh, I also do about 20% of my time down in the Gulf Coast uh, with our Vanishing Paradise program, one of our big sporting programs in the Gulf. Um, and, you know, uh, with the affiliates, my work involves uh, governance, um, leadership cultivation, policy advice, and, you know, building trust and protecting the relationship between those affiliates and NWF. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But uh, um, I'm based here in Denver, Colorado. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll say I, I've had the pleasure of getting to work with both of these fellows in person. 
Um, unfortunately, Aaron only one time, but uh, Lou, I see at least once a year, if not more. In fact, Lou and I have gotten to do some hunting together and chasing down some Mern's quail in Southern Arizona. Speaking of which, what have you fellas been up to lately? Have you been out in the field? Well, I mean, Lou, I guess you got you, you got a good excuse for not getting out recently, but well, well, there's no doubt. I've had to cancel some 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 fishing trips due to some bad luck. But um, I've been out with my blood tracker. I have a, a a blood tracking dog. I've been out on some training tracks, and I'm looking forward to fishing here in Colorado. I've got your actually your board chair, Glenn Dickens, coming up to fish with me for a few days before this. Uh, NWF uh, Grasslands Conference in Cheyenne. It's in early August, and he's presenting on on uh, pronghorn and grasslands. And so we thought we'd get together a little early and do a little fishing, and then head up. And uh, of course, I got a lot of plans in September and October. You know, I've got bow season for tracking with the dog. I got fly fishing coming, grouse and woodcock in the in the Northwoods, and uh, maybe some fishing in the Gulf. You know, connected to that work that I do down there. So I'm I'm looking forward to a lot. Uh, I've missed a couple of things, like I said, due to some bad luck. But I'm I'm optimistic and I'm ready to go, man. Awesome. Are you gonna get a flyer out in Glenn's hands? No doubt about it. He asked me to provide him with some waiters, but I'm not doing that. All right, I got some loner AWF rods. If <laughs> no, I got plenty of rods. There's no right. doubt. I'm a former outdoor uh, magazine editor. I've got plenty of rods. There's there no go. doubt about that. There you go. Get him, um, you get just him got over here on the way. Uh, Lou, he's coming up from the south, I presume. I don't know if he's flying or not, but if he's driving. He, he's flying in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I got some water for him if he needs it. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> So how how was the iCast show? I mean, is it, do you enjoy was, that, or is it just a, uh, or is it too much? It's fan, it's fantastic. I, I've been there. I've been going to iCast, which is the largest uh, fishing trade show in the world. Um, it's held in Orlando in July. Now it used to be in Vegas for a while. It used to bounce around a bunch, but I've been going since 1999. So I got a lot of old friends there. A lot of folks I used to work with when I was an outdoor writer. And it's not only just great to see all of them, but to see the new innovations in fishing tackle talk about the conservation that's going on. You know, there were some seminars on rigs to reefs, some different things in the Gulf that are going on. Um, it, it was really a valuable time between relationships and information. And I always enjoy being there and seeing so many great folks. Cool. Yeah. yeah I've, I've never made it to one of those giant sporting shows, but I'm, I'm sure it's a hoot. How about you, Aaron? You got any, uh, any plans getting in the woods or on the water? Oh, always, man. Always in the woods. I <clears throat> just did a, four-day backpack trip my kid at the end of fourth of july week and Wonderful. got some real real grande cutthroat trout up in the in the real high country which was awesome and uh on saturday floated right here locally and had a great day of fishing it's uh water's finally going down it's been a big water year in the rockies as most folks know and this is about primo time lots of bugs hatching you know the water's clearing up so the fish are real hungry it was it was a really good day just hitting big old dry flies droppers everything it was awesome wow. getting out in the woods always though had a had a great year uh morel hunting by the way too with all that right. moisture yeah found a lot of morels black morels which we don't nice. typically get it's usually too dry you know you might find one if you're lucky this year i actually found quite a bit and had them for dinner with some elk quite a few times that's great yeah arizona had a decent morel season this spring too which is a rarity here uh but i got my first arizona morels this year it was a real treat were they blacks too? No, I got that. Well, they call them naturals and burns here, but um, but so yeah, the, in the burn? blacks come up in the burns, and I never made it up into the burn scars, but I did find some naturals down lower. Huh? I usually I've only well in Colorado and Southern Colorado, I've only ever found blondes, which I think is what you're talking about, and those are in burns. And then this 
when it's wet like this, well, I found a gray here and there, but when it's wet like this, got some blacks that had nothing to do with burns, which was pretty cool. No kidding. Yeah. You know, back in Missouri, it was so much simpler. You know, I just go to the same <laughs> spots every spring and, and cash in yeah. until somebody would find those spots or they could develop or something along those lines. But, but yeah, sure. it was a, little, a lot less complicated. Uh, speaking of those Rio Grande cuts, uh, my little boy and I in the next, uh, sometime in the next two months are going to go do the New Mexico trout challenge. And that's the one fish over there that I'm really excited about. I've never caught one before. Yeah. They're awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Although, uh, next weekend though, I'm super excited, uh, myself and a, and a friend, uh, works for fisheries and Arizona game and fish department. We are heading over to the Sierra Nevadas to look for, uh, four species or subspecies of trout, including, uh, two coast or two golden subspecies. Are you going to chase a little kern? Yeah, well, the little kern is going to be the toughest one. Um, apparently, it's pretty remote. The one is access point where you can get to them in a reasonable amount of time, the road's closed. So that might be the one that we have to miss and go back for. But I'm certainly going to dig in as deep as I can and try to figure it out. But I'm excited. Never What's that? that about us. Isn't the volcano trout one of those two? I've not heard one of one called the volcano trout. Ooh, check it out. Okay. Yeah, we've got Lou. Lou might have made that one up. That's okay. If you find it, it'll be a heck of a time. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I should tell your your listeners that I am a wealth of misinformation. All right. All right. Well, as long as there's some information. <laughs> and you know, a couple that I'm really excited about are these subspecies that live in the Mex uh, mountains of Mexico. Um, the problem is that's poppy country up there, uh, and you know. Obviously, there's risks that come with tromping around in, in the mountains of Mexico, but my gosh, they're intriguing. And that just makes them more intriguing for me. But I hear, though, that those streams are, are small mountain streams are just being destroyed because they drain all the water out for the poppy crops. But I hear if you go in the off season and you go high enough in the mountains, you can still find these fish. Mm. But that might Do be that. a trip after my visit. That sounds awesome. So we'll yeah. All right. Well, we probably ought to get on to it. Um, I want to hear, I want to hear, first I want to talk about the National Wildlife Federation. Um, National Wildlife Federation, like I mentioned earlier, is a huge and old powerhouse of conservation. Uh, can you guys give me a little bit of the backstory about the National Wildlife Federation, the what's and how's and why's? Yeah, I'm happy to. And, you know, it's interesting is Arizona Wildlife Federation hits its uh, centennial, right? It's 100 year anniversary this year. Well, the National Wildlife Federation is only about 87 years old. We just had our 87th annual meeting. Um, However, that said, and uh, we came together in about 1936, the National Wildlife Federation brought together a lot of interested parties. Um, and, and Aaron will tell you a little bit about the sporting part of that. But we came together about to surround Pittman-Robertson and maybe getting that put together on wildlife conservation funding. That's about how old that act is. Um, but uh, the, the really great thing about our 52 state and territory affiliates are is that more than half of them are hook and bullet organizations, hunter-angler organizations. The other half are more environmental, but that's not to say that they don't work in that space. They're, they're all really big tent organizations. They do a lot of different things um, from early childhood, outdoors, all the way up through um, really complicated land acquisitions, water issues, all kinds of things. So this really fascinating process we have at the National Wildlife Federation, we don't control our affiliates. We're not a, a chapter system like Sierra Club or Ducks Unlimited or Pheasants Forever. 
Um, but so we don't control our affiliates, but we're, we're first partners with them and they control our governance through a resolutions process at our annual meeting where they come together in a collaborative way and, and talk about the big conservation issues of our day. And, and it's an amazing process to witness because between those two spectrums of group, that diversity of the group, we really come with a real centrist, really, really pragmatic approach to conservation and wildlife conservation. And, um, it's just an amazing thing to see. And it's not to say that these that the, the single species groups aren't doing really incredible work. I mean, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasant Forever, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, I'm members to those groups. I love what they do. Um, but the National Wildlife Federation just has a little different approach. We have about 7 million members and supporters, 52 state and territory affiliates. And it really um, is a first partner kind of a scenario. You know, we work with Arizona Wildlife Federation, but it's not that we agree on everything. And that's what helps bring us together on the real pragmatic approach to wildlife conservation. So I'm just, I'm really grateful to work with the affiliates that I work with in the Intermountain West and uh, that the kind of conservation approach that we have and the successes that we've had over our history are staggering. And I just um, really enjoy it. And, you know, I'll tell you real quick, Michael, so I don't take up too much of the airspace, but um, the, uh, uh, one of the resolutions this year was really back in support of wildlife conservation funding. And so we're talking about um, Pittman Robertson, Dingle Johnson, Wallet Bro. And, and those things are amazing. Just in 2023, Pittman Robertson totaled $1.2 billion in to help support state wildlife agencies on hunting education programs and wildlife conservation. Dingle Johnson, Wallet Bro, fiscal year 2023, totaled almost $425 million. These are the kinds of things that we can really get behind in addition to things like climate change, wind energy, where where reasonable and appropriate, and the kinds of things right. that we come together on that are really, really acceptable and thought out and intentional. Outstanding. Yeah, I'll tell you what, let's, let's jump right into like some of the some of the current work uh, that NWF is doing, um, that we're doing, the, a lot of the conservation environmental community is doing, and th- things like Recovering America's Wildlife Act. But, you know, I, I see... I guess, I, you know, I should be careful. There's a lot of leaders in that arena, a lot of people that are, are, are you know, taking the ball and running with it. But, but I see NWF as a major player in that role. Can you, can you speak to a little bit of the work that's happening there? I can. You know, I mean, we've been, we've been struggling with that for many years, and um, it's going to create a, a staggering amount of, of uh, funding inserted into the state agencies, which is desperately needed. I mean, more and more, they need to work on, um, you know, uh, their state wildlife action plans that include species that are at risk in their states. And, you know, all this money coming in from sportsmen for game species. And granted, sportsmen want other species protected, too, because it protects it protects the big sure. ungulates. It protects all the things that we care about anyway. However, something like the Recovering America's Wildlife Act is going to inject, you know, I think here in my state of Colorado, probably another 28 million a year. That's a, an amazing amount of money to help support the agency and the wildlife work on the ground. It only is going to, um, you know, enhance habitat for our sporting species. And, you know, when you have 52 state and territories working on it, we're, we're united in this work. We, we reach out to our state agencies. We're connected to them. We support them. We, we engage at levels that are unheard of. And, um, and you're right. There are a lot of people working in this space. There's a lot of really great actors here. And NWF is one of the big players on it and has been devoted to it for the last six or seven years. This is our year, though, man. 
right? it's going to happen. Right. I know we came close in December. It was disappointing, but we're right yep. there on the cusp. And and I this is the year, man. It's coming through, and we've got great champions in Senate, both sides of the aisle, which is what's also so wonderful about an act like that. Um, yeah, yeah it's a it's a big damn deal. Um, and I mean, it, it's got the potential to fill a big gap in wildlife funding and have huge implications for North American wildlife. It's exciting. So yeah, I got my fingers crossed. So, all right, you guys, yeah, you mentioned, uh, man, I, I, I hate, and I've apologized on this podcast so many times because I don't like drawing that line between environmentalism and conservation, yeah, or greens and browns or however you want right. to do it. Because quite honestly, I consider myself both. Um, I, I feel like it takes everyone in all camps on the same page to get work done. But that is one of the things that I enjoy the most about. National Wildlife Federation, um, you know, they, 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 you know, work in both arenas, even though I feel like they shouldn't be separate. They are um, in a lot of cases. Uh, and, you know, if we are going to if we're going to do right by wildlife, public lands, habitats here in North America, you know, we, we all need to be in the game together and we all need to work together. And, you know, it's it, it all comes down to that little tiny percent of bringing an animal home that people disagree on. But we all want healthy habitat. We all want access to public lands. We all want robust wildlife populations. So I do enjoy uh, the fact that NWF, it, it works in, in both camps like that. But, you know, those folks at home who are maybe folks that are listening here and they're thinking, oh, I'm a hunter and angler. I'm going to join up with NWF. When you get that magazine from NWF, though, you might be like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was a hunting and angling organization. That's, that's not necessarily the case. Like I said, we work in all avenues. But that's kind of where NWF Outdoors comes in, if I'm not mistaken. Would you agree with that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, or it's... Or am I off base here? It's our job, really, to to represent hunters and anglers, you know, and to, to bring that voice, um, to, to that, you know, it's a two-way street. Like Lou mentioned how we have this whole big cadre of, of the affiliates in the Federation and, and they represent, you know, all kinds of different aspects and avenues. But I think our job is to really speak the other direction, right? Like outwardly for the Federation, meaning, we take some of that information that the federate that the affiliates bring us. We take some that the national organization brings us and we advocate on behalf of this community. And, you know, through doing that, we work with all of the big, you know, single species hunting, fishing organizations. We, we work with all the, the national sporting organizations, all of them that you can imagine. We're, we're part of the American wildlife conservation partners, AWCP as it's known. It's about 50 different hook and bullet organizations that work across the country every year. They kind of have a platform, the different things they want to work on. Um, we're part of the the group that was, it was formerly called the White House Heritage Hunting Council. Now they've tweaked the name a couple different times. And it's basically where the White House itself, the, you know, the top of the administration is bringing in sporting groups and asking for their input. So, you know, if there's any level of sporting work, we're doing it. And I think back to your original kind of point here is that, you know, I think that the, the the conservation world works more closely than it sometimes looks like on the outside, right? I think yeah. uh, there's there's utility for those who don't want to, you know, do conservation work to divide us and say, you're different okay. and you're different and you're different and we don't want this one and we do want that one um, to fit because there's enough narratives, right? Almost any politician or anybody else can work to fit their narrative. Uh, with some sort of organization. So I think we sure. should really focus on the 90% of things that bind us, 
rather than the 10 or less percent things that divide us. And I appreciated those words you said regarding that, Michael. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, man. And, you know, Michael, I want to jump in real quick. Uh, you mentioned the, the National Wildlife Federation magazine, but I will tell you that in the next issue, the summer one just came out, there's a giant piece on hunting as conservation. You know, they, they get those things in there. One of my favorite issues of all time from NWF magazine was about public lands. And it was a staggering expose on what it means, our access to it, our opportunity with it, the way that we hunt and fish on it. And so while it's not as frequent in NWF magazine, it's there. So I'm, I'm on the editorial board, so I'm a little biased. But uh, <laughs> right. um, next issue does have a great thing on hunting and conservation. Aaron's probably in that. But uh, um, uh but I wanted to correct that record there real quick. And maybe to add to man. that, Michael, too, I mean, that's what I should have mentioned when you asked me that question. NWF Outdoors, as the sporting arm of NWF, we have a whole, you know, menu of, of you know, media type pieces and outreach type pieces. We have a mm -hmm. podcast, NWF Outdoors. We have our own website. If you look up nwf.org backslash outdoors, you'll see the sporting work we're doing. You'll see that on social media. You'll see partnerships with affiliates. You'll see partnerships with other national organizations. You'll see a lot of our work. So, you know, while, while yeah, you get that magazine or you see NWF and you maybe don't see it front and center, it's valued and, and we have a way to convey that information. And so all you have to do is look up NWF Outdoors and you'll find a whole suite of things that we're working on. Right. Yeah, you know, to, to be completely fair and honest here, that, that's what I see the most of. But then again, I am grounded in hunting and angling and, and I work with you fellas. Uh, so that, that's what I'm looking for and that that's kind of what I gravitate towards. But, you know, with that said, our, our magazine, uh, you know, Arizona Wildlife Federation News, our Arizona Wildlife News, you know, we're founded, our, our, our foundation is in sporting, but, you know, it, it's, this, this doesn't all belong to the hunters and anglers of the world. We contribute a lot, but it's not all ours. Um, so again, that, that working together piece, you know, we, we consider it our, our responsibility and then we're charged with, you know, looking after all wildlife in the state and all habitat in the state. But with all that said, we do do a lot of hunting and angling, especially me. But uh, this this next magazine coming out is all about wildlife watching. Um, so I don't think we'll have any hunting and angling in it at all. So, yeah, it goes both ways. Isn't it interesting, Michael, how if you're a hunter or an angler, sometimes that supersedes all your other wildlife activities? Right? Like all three of us right here. We love going out watching birds. We would love going seeing the crane mm -hmm. migration, whether we're hunting them. We would love going yeah. out and just watching a moose, you know, sit yeah. there and feed in a field or whatever. But sometimes since we're hunters and anglers, it's like a, a badge that you walk around with or something that it's like, nope, that's what you right. do. But some of my most amazing wildlife experiences in my life have been through hunting and angling, but not doing, not the actual hunting or fishing part, right? right? Just what I got to observe yep. being in those great places, being quiet, getting out there early in the morning, doing those things that it takes to be a good, you know, avid hunter fisher. Well, I'll tell you what, I, uh, you know, I grew up in Missouri, um, in a small rural area. And if you are into the outdoors and you are into wildlife, you hunt and fish because that's all, you know, that that's what everybody does that plays outside. Right. Um, then leaving Missouri, uh, moving out West, I got into backpacking, um, paddling, things like that. Throughout all of that time, I've always just been a general wildlife person, whether that be herps, reptiles and amphibians, or birds, or small mammals, or even catching tiny freshwater fishes and identifying them. I went down a, a crayfish rabbit hole deep, deep, deep 
deep. But if it wasn't for chasing my now wife <laughs> off to another state, I would have went to the University of Illinois and became an astrologist, a crayfish biologist. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've had a foot in both camps for a long time. And only in my adult life did I, did I come back full circle to hunting and angling. But it is funny. It does seem to completely take a hold of you. Um, and, uh, you know, while I certainly don't ignore anything else out there, I mean, I, I always got a, got a eye to the trees, even around my yard, looking for new bird species and things. Uh, it, it, there's something about that, that tangible connection to, to game species and bringing them home and utilizing them that really kind of, kind of hyper-focuses you in some cases. Um, it's just, it's just a strange phenomenon, but I, I think it has something to do with that deep down evolutionary brain that we all come from a long line of hunters, you know? I don't think it's strange, actually. I think it's the most normal thing we've ever can possibly do, connects us to every human who's ever walked the earth. So it's about as normal yeah, as it you're, gets. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be inclusive when I say things like that, but I agree with you entirely. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely normal. Um, all right. Well, so Aaron... How long is NWF Outdoors, that branch, how long has it been around? And, and what's kind of the uh, the story? Yeah, I mean, when we first started calling it NWF Outdoors is a few years ago. Um, but there's always kind of been this sporting arm of NWF, you know. And, and one of the things that, that, as Lou mentioned, when you work, when you're this umbrella organization, you work on basically, if, there, if it's a conservation, environmental type of issue, we work on it somehow, right? And so... Yeah. One of the issues with that is sometimes there's so much cross-cutting that, you know, you, you, you get a little lost in that fray. And, and as we've talked about a little bit here, the sporting work and the sporting identity and ethos is unique. And it does, you know, need to cater to a certain audience, use certain nomenclature, those kinds of things. So really what we wanted to do there was just kind of tailor make products for an audience that we knew was, you know, ready for that kind of, you know, that kind of work. So... We started doing that uh, three three years ago or so, a little bit more than three years ago, and then you know launched the podcast maybe two and a half years ago, and just kind of continued to to work with all of our partners. But in li- in a lot of ways, it's it's about digesting it into a sporting specific form. And then there's some other mm-hmm. stuff that we work on, you know, that that are basically uniquely sporting. That's 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 really the community that's working on it, and there's not other environmental folks working on it some of them you know a lot of the time so i think of things like chronic wasting disease you know there's a there's a bill that was passed just last year and that was almost exclusively the sporting community that was pushing that in congress so and helped write some of that language knowing the needs because they're out there dealing with it they're talking to their state game agencies they're talking to their wildlife commissions that's an example of when really like the best people to to have that conversation to convey that information out to the public was the sporting arm of NWF. So there you go. That's a perfect use of, of that tool. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, tell you what, let me take one step back away from NWF outdoors uh, because I forgot to mention Ranger Rick magazine. <laughs> so even as a small child and I'm, I'm how I'm pushing 50 now, I, I think I turned 48 the other day. I think um, I tend to lose, lose count after a while, but uh, I, I remember that magazine from my childhood, you know? Uh, so that's been around a long time time and that magazine is still available to folks people can still get it no doubt yeah yeah absolutely and and still pass along really great great lessons and great engagement and pulling mm-hmm. kids into the outdoors i mean that's its that's its focus right get kids outdoors mm-hmm. feeling safe having fun and enjoying wildlife like we get to 
right? Yeah. We're trying to keep that next generation moving. I wish we still you had know, the I, wildlife I mean, stamp mm-hmm. books. My dad, growing up, when he was two years old, got a wildlife those, stamp yeah. book. So I have it still. It's from, it starts in 1955, ends about 66 or 7 when he quit doing it. Beautiful stamps, illustrations of wildlife. Every month they'd send you some new ones. You know, cool thing for kids. Put them in there. tells you a little bit about them. I think that we ought to kick that back up, Lou. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. You know, I, I wonder what it's like now. Because like you, you, when I was a kid, when we were kids, you know, we'd, we'd read the back of the cereal box. That was a big thing. You know? <laughs> we'd eat cereal in the morning. And we'd go through like the backs of JCPenney catalogs where they had the toys and just daydream over, you know, <laughs> things, things I couldn't really have, but, uh, you know, kids don't do that stuff anymore. Um, I guess, you know, with some good parenting, you know, sitting kids down and giving them good reading material and no other options, you know, no other distractions, that'd probably be the way to do it. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that magazine is still bringing along a lot of, a lot of little minds into the out, outdoor space. At least I hope so. All right, let's, let's go back to uh, NWF Outdoors. Or maybe maybe this is, you know, and, and you guys, I, I'm asking these questions primarily for my own education because while I pay attention, I haven't paid close enough attention. But when it comes to to things like the North American Grasslands Act, or, or actually maybe I'm, I'm kind of getting off on the wrong tangent there, but Banishing Paradise, uh, Lead Free Initiatives, uh, Artemis, things like that. Now, are these separate entities that you're working with? Are these part of NWF, NWF Outdoors? Definitely part of NWF. Some of them have, you know, concentric circles with NWF Outdoors, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Like Vanishing Paradise has been a campaign before Outdoors started. Lou knows that one really well from his work down in the Gulf that he mentioned earlier. Artemis is within NWF Outdoors, um, you know, works under my program. And then there's various others that have a sporting type feel, right? We have a big uh, carp campaign, invasive carp campaign that's really led by the sporting voice, um, but it's out of our Great Lakes office primarily. Um, We have some other different things like that around the country that we work with close, but aren't necessarily like a key campaign of outdoors. But, you know, it's it's a symptom and and a product of like what we talked about earlier, just so many things, you know, the beauty of a federation, I'll just say this one more time is that what we have is this national power, this national connection to leaders and on the hill. And then our affiliates are like having a guy or a gal that's right there in that community, knows those issues down to a T, knows knows that bend in the river, knows that ridge you got to go over. And so we have everything from the very down to the, you know, place, grassroots, all the way up to the, you know, the highest power. So that's the beauty of it, Michael. And so there's naturally going to be some concentric circles and some overlapping work, but yeah, that's, it, it, it's loose and there's not exactly a chart that says, here's, here's who does what and how it works. But I think guys like Lou and I probably have it mostly in our heads. Yeah. yeah, And I can, I can see where that confusion comes through Michael too, because those, those programs that you mentioned have their own branding, they have their own yeah, logo. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, and that's by design. That's intentional. You know, we all know the power of branding and, 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 and those big campaigns, you know, now and the invasive carp campaign should have its own logo, you know, and we can blame Mark Smith for that. And maybe you can bring him on your, your podcast one of these days and we can light him up. So make sure we're here too. <laughs> but, um, uh, but those, those campaigns are, that helps their success because the brand means something, you know, and like in vanishing paradise, the Gulf coast sporting campaign that started about 2009. And we, we co-branded that with Ducks Unlimited. You know, we they were a great partner with us on that. They still are. Um, and it's grown into a really, really um, 
effective and successful campaign. We got the Restore Act passed, which was $18 billion for Gulf Coast wetlands restoration. And then mm -hmm. after that, you know, this is what NWF is so great at. Then we came back and state by state, we advocated to make sure that that money through their state master plans got spent appropriately. It wasn't, it wasn't to build a, a resort in Alabama. It was to restore mm -hmm. Gulf Coast wetlands that sportsmen and other recreational users could get out and do the birders and everybody else, right? So, so we, we pass these big federal legislations and then we follow them and we make sure that the accountability on the money happens state by state and our affiliates are so strong in that space and we rely on them to do that. We, you know, our folks in DC can't do it. Aaron and I can't do it here in Colorado on our own. We need our affiliates to help us do this stuff and they do it uh, relentlessly and sometimes thanklessly. And so we're always so grateful. And it's just, like I said, first partners, and we just work as hard as we can to make that relationship stay because they don't have to stay with us. Yeah. Michael, maybe I can add one more point of clarification. I think for Please. those campaigns, what we saw too at, at Outdoors was a need to tell those stories. And so, you know, that's a, a lot of the reason why we we really have started pushing a, a robust communications and and advocacy platform, right? Like we may send yep. out an alert. We have a list of over 50,000 sportsmen and women that have come to us through the sporting angle, right? So if we have an issue that's of national prominence, we can talk to them, say, hey, here, this is happening in Congress. We also can do stuff like this, long form conversations on the podcast. And that, you know, Bill Cooksey's my podcast co-host now, and he's in Tennessee and does a ton of work and leads a lot of that uh, Vanishing Paradise campaign, a lot of the waterfowl work, Everglades work. And so we're telling those stories so that's one one place where NWF Outdoors is kind of synonymous with all of our sporting campaigns because we work hard to tell the stories across the federation, whether it be our affiliates or our national staff, and the sporting nexus between those. So that's just one more broad, you know, kind of messy circle I'll add to that conversation. But uh, we really do a lot of advocating through the sporting voice on anything you can think of across the country. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead to it. I want to talk about your podcast. Can you tell folks about that? And I, I, I like the way that you, you and you guys cover both the East and the West, uh, you know, perspective. So you kind of got nationwide coverage there, but tell us about your podcast if you don't mind. Yeah. And maybe just to even start with an extension of the outdoor story, you know, when I came to work for NWF, I was what they call the Western sportsman's campaign manager which meant that I was running our, all our Western work, dealing with things like oil and gas development and impacts to wildlife and, you know, anything public lands really that, that was across the West. And uh, as we've grown NWF Outdoors, A, you know, there's a lot more requests and hope that we'll cover national issues. And then B, there's a geographic limitation for me to try and do that, right? Uh, a, I don't know those Eastern, Southeastern issues as well. And so it was really appealing to me to get someone like Bill uh, Bill Cooksey, who's my co-host now, who is in Tennessee, four-time state duck calling championship champion in Tennessee, works all across the Southeast, knows turkey, knows white-tailed deer, knows those issues, waterfowl like the back of his hand. And so that was like, you know, that was my blank spot. Like some of those issues out mm -hmm. there were my blank spot. Well, where I cover the public lands, the big country, the the big game, stuff like that. So it was a perfect compliment. And so we, we started this podcast kind of on a whim 
um, you know, and, and, and tried it. It actually came out of, started in our Great Lakes office with a, a fellow that used to work for us, Drew Youngdike, who's working our communications at the time, said, hey, let's do this. And a lot of it was about talking about just what we talked about earlier, some of that Asian carp issues. But then we decided quickly, man, it needs to get bigger. We need to professionalize it. We really need to bring it up to covering all of these issues. And now we're, I think we're, uh, total, we're around 150 episodes. Bill and I have done about 50 together. Um, we've had on, you know, senators. We've had on congressmen. We've had on all the kind of big name leaders you could think of uh, around the country. We've had on many affiliates, uh, you know, so it really runs the gamut from kind of hyper localized stories when it's really unique and special to, to the sporting community to, to national things. You know, when we had on representative Ron kind, he was a sponsor of the CWD research and management act. So we wanted to talk mm -hmm. to him and he was gracious enough to, to get on. We've talked to Senator Heinrich in New Mexico about recovering America's wildlife act. So, you know, runs the gamut. We've talked to communications folks, Ducks Unlimited. Bill has on a duck scientist about every fifth episode. And we talk about flying the surveys clear up in Northern Canada and stuff going on in yeah. Mexico. I mean, we, we really run the gamut. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you're someone who just really wants to kind of understand a broad swath of what's going on for the sporting community across the country, I think we're a, an exceptional resource you know, we, we've got pretty good camaraderie. We, we joke with each other. We try to keep it light, campfire chat. And so uh, I think most folks would listen, would enjoy it and, you know, should check it out. Outstanding. I certainly enjoy it. And I agree with everything you just said there. Uh, I think it's a fantastic resource for the sporting community and anyone else that's interested in conservation in North America. Thank you. I'm going to have so to listen to it. <laughs> have to just get check it out sometime, Lou. Who's <laughs> never heard it? Once we get Lou on, maybe it'll, maybe it'll know, open I've the tuna can. <laughs> Perhaps. Plenty. Yeah, Perhaps. it's an excellent podcast. I like it. So are you releasing those biweekly? Is that correct? R roughly, Michael. We, we were yeah. doing that on a really, you know, kind of strict schedule for a while. Um, and then, you know, just with things like summer and vacations and things like that, it gets a little loosey-goosey here and there. Uh, Mandela Van uh -huh. Eden, our, our communications person for our for MWF rock, Outdoors, rock star. Yeah, yeah, she's she's also you know her vacation life. She does all the editing of the podcast now and the publishing. So her vacation mm -hmm. life comes into play, and you know there's different current events. We might jump one up. Um, right. So things like that, you know, sometimes we'll cover a specific issue. One of your affiliates and your neighbor, Michael uh, Jesse Dubell in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, you know when they when they got that ruling out of the out of the uh, Supreme Court. We just said, hey, Jesse, let's hop on and talk about this. This is a major victory, you know, just a 10-minute yeah. type of deal. So sometimes we'll produce little snippet, you know, issue-based type things like that. So roughly it's two weeks, but, you know, it, it jumps around a bit. But I, you know, I'm very happy to hear you say that because <laughs> you guys, you guys are coming on after like a, a few week gap here. Um, it's because I went on vacation and I had nothing lined up for before I left. And, oh, man, it stressed me out because, I mean, I was a perfect record every two weeks, every other Monday. You know what I mean? And uh, then uh, you yeah, had to I drag the go. bottom on this one, didn't you? Uh, I, had to, I had to scrape <laughs> some, something up to talk about. But uh, but no, I felt terribly. I've, I have felt terribly guilty about not keeping that consistency. Uh, but, hell, you know, life gets busy. Um, I got a busy, busy work schedule. Uh, and I like to take trips. I'm not going to lie. I like to play outside every second I get. So. Uh, so yeah, maybe I, you know, I don't know. I'm still going to keep shooting for the every other Monday and just call this a little vacation, but who knows? But yeah, you know, when I, when I got on with this organization and I mean, 
I have drank the Kool-Aid with AWF. Uh, I am just, I, I love this organization. It's not hard to do. No, I think we're in the right spot. You know, we're nonpartisan approach to conservation. We work with everyone. We bring folks together, um, you know, where we're science-based, pragmatic. Uh, we, we behave like adults. And I, I simply love this organization. But when I came on, it, it was a bit of a shocker, especially as old as we are, um, as rich of a history as, as we have, and how much impact we have on wildlife and habitat and public lands in Arizona, that we weren't, you know, right, right at the, uh, the front of people's minds everywhere, you know, and, and I honestly, we weren't. So uh, that was one of the reasons I thought a podcast was appropriate to help get that word out there, get the kind of kind of work that we do out there to folks and, and communicate better. But, you know, I'll also uh, add, I mean, the, the strength of the Arizona Wildlife Federation is really, really interesting. And it's been strong as long as I've been working. I've been with National Wildlife Federation for 16 years this October. And I've been working with Arizona Wildlife Federation for more than a decade. And, you know, they're not the only one, but they're one of the affiliates that holds National Wildlife Federation accountable to its principles, to its mm-hmm. its ethics and the way it approaches things and to its policies and you know, when we stray, we need that, right? Everybody needs somebody paying attention because it's really easy these days with the divisiveness in politics, the dogma, and the, and the ways that you need to get things done. You can stray from the science-based um, philosophy that, that Arizona Wildlife Federation addresses, that, that National Wildlife Federation says they do. But, you know, we're a political organization, right? And we have new staff coming and going all the time, and it's, and it, you know— it's challenging sometimes. And so an organization like the Arizona Wildlife Federation holding us accountable every day is, is really important. And like I said, we have a lot of other affiliates that do that, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful all the time, you know, even though it causes me, you know, I remember a meeting on a, a cold morning. I sat in my garage smoking a cigar of uh, Super Bowl Sunday uh, because we had some copy about mountain lions and it was a plushy adopt a pet thing. And, you know, I mean, it's a catalog deal, right? But but it had a couple of words in there that weren't right. Yeah. And and you guys called us on it and we changed it, right? And that's really important because those things build up. And and yeah. it's it's really valuable, this relationship that we have, this give-get relationship that right. we have with yeah. the affiliates. That's how the Federation's supposed to work. We, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's a true Federation, right? I mean, it's saying we're going to be responsive to you. We hope you're responsive to us. You're going to point things out to us that are, you know, maybe don't work for for your audience. And that's how we're stronger because of it. And not everybody would agree with this. Yeah. And and internally, not everybody would agree with this. But, you know, like like Aaron said, a true federation. Right. So we're nothing without the affiliates. NWF doesn't exist. I mean, that's what the federation actually means. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a D.C. based thing. It's not a Reston, Virginia thing. It's it's fifty two state and territory affiliates. Wow, wow, that that's nice to hear. I, I like that. I, I like the model. I, I like how it all comes together. Uh, it's uh, something to be proud of, I think. Well, what have we left out? I mean, the, the, my idea here was to give folks an overview. You know, if I go out and I, I tell someone, yeah, we were an affiliate of the, the National Wildlife Federation, I wanted a place to point them to and be like, if, if you're, you're curious, you want to learn about this, go here, listen to this. What have I left out? What, what have we left out that would give a, a broader picture of, of who NWF is? You know, one thing I, I tell folks all the time when they're thinking about this, and I, 
I run across a vast number of folks, and I come from the hunting and fishing industry. I tell them to to take a look at our our website at the National Wildlife Federation. Take a look at NWF Outdoors, you know, and 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 I'm really uh, grateful that Aaron finally got that up there because I had some challenges in the past where there wasn't enough uh, hook and bullet um, copy and pages, right? Even though we were doing all the work, it just wasn't really there on the website. So it's there yeah. now, right? It's validating in that way. But I like them to look at that. But I, I'm, I'm really a big fan of, of folks joining the state affiliate first and seeing how that works for them. And then mm-hmm. if they want to take that next step with NWF, I think that's fantastic, right? And because there's a lot of different on-ramps for, for engagement in both spaces. And some folks need a ladder, you know, as they move through sure. things and, and maybe spend a few years with a state affiliate, see how that works, maybe volunteer, maybe become a board member, you know, maybe take some leadership or some experience that they have into that into that board member leadership space at our state level, doing all that incredible work. And then they're allowed to start not allowed, but but have this opportunity to engage with NWF in different ways too, like our annual meeting and the resolutions process and those things. You're affecting conservation at a national level from your state, and it's it's really amazing. And so I, I like that uh, that stepping stone. There's other folks that aren't going to want to be engaged at that level. They want to just go right to NWF. They want to get the magazine. They want to feel good about what they're doing. They want to pay attention to their backyard habitat. They want to create habitat for wildlife in their home. We have all kinds of tools for that. And that's perfect for them as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sportsmen in particular, a lot of times benefit more from hitting that state affiliate first and then taking their engagement to another level if they want to. Right. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. I'll stop you right there too. And I didn't (laughs) mention this earlier. One of the things I do facilitate is a hunter angler work group monthly with uh, all of our affiliates. And so we all get together in that sportsman space and figure out what we need to be working on during the time, during the legislative sessions and our affiliates help each other, you know, with best practices, with, with things that they've already experienced and that they've had trouble with. And so we have that community too, as well, that helps make us stronger as advocates for wildlife habitat, um, opportunity, access, hunting, fishing, all these things that we care about. So uh, I'm sorry to tag that on late, but um, no, you know, I'm we glad- do have that function as well i have a tag on too because I, I wanted to bring up the the hunter angler working group go ahead Aaron. well i would just say michael like you know you you talked about if i if i'm michael cravens and i'm saying you know and someone says hey what why is awf connected to nwf a lot of what we talked about is precisely why right you have a community of 51 other state and territorial affiliates that are dealing with their wildlife commissions that are dealing with their members of congress and their state legislatures and pushing policies and 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 you can automatically go to them as your colleagues as your friend you've interfaced with them at annual meetings you know many of them you've hunted with a lot of them you know same with the staff i mean if if i'm sitting there and i'm going who's my state hook and bullet organization and i know you're awf and you have that I'm much more, you know, hopeful that that might be something that that represents my conservation, you know, needs and that I can that if I, you know, if I'm like, oh, hey, you know, Missouri is dealing with something that I saw that could work here in Arizona. How could we get information like that? And you, Michael, have it at the tip of your fingers because you can call up Lou and he can connect you to the DCP or the staffer or one of us. You know, that's a huge, huge advantage to, to mo- that, that most statewide organizations don't have. And, um, and, and our community, as you know, you've, you've met a lot of these folks. You spent time with them. That's my favorite thing about this job completely is the people. You know, it's, a, it's funny because we're a wildlife organization. We all love wildlife, but 
man, the time I get to spend with you guys and others and the friends I've made and, and the kind of camaraderie and community we have, um, it, we go to work for each other. You know, if you, if you call us up, we try, we try our damnedest to, to get you the resource you're asking for, to connect you with people. And that just is a thing that happens in the Federation that is unique. And so, you know, if, I, if I'm looking to join a state organization, boy, that's appealing to me. Yeah, that, that's a really solid point, Aaron. Really good point. Yeah, it's, it's a pow- powerful system for sure. Hmm. Well, fellas. So I, I guess I could also say I love hunting with you. Michael, and I appreciate you taking me out. I'm not a great shot and I appreciate your patience with me. Uh, and for those who have not gotten onto your Instagram and seen that beautiful bobcat from the last oh, time we yeah. were out hunting, I mean, mm-hmm. what a gorgeous animal, you know, old, right? At the end of its mm-hmm. time for sure. But what an interesting uh, beast to have involved yeah. with our Montezuma quail hunt, which is also an, uh, just an incredible area um, of Southern Arizona. And, you know, I, I sent you that text and I did that on purpose. I was reading Jim Harrison's the search for the genuine, right. And it's a bunch of essays, you know, posthumously after he's Mm -hmm. been gone. And some of them I read, but some of them I hadn't, and he was talking about this, this Canyon near the, the Arizona, the Mexico border, you know, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's where we were. I sent it over to you. You're like, are you going to send me the name of the book? (laughs) I I, I wanted to have a dramatic pause for you at the time. I was out in Bimini. I was thinking about fishing. I was thinking about you. And, uh, but that's a great book. It's one of the ones I just finished. I know you don't talk about books much on here, but, um, you know, the other one that's, uh, that he mentioned in their lot called the birds of heaven, uh, by Peter Mathiasen about cranes. I'm just about to mm-hmm. dig into that. I'm really excited about it. So I just thought I'd cap off my, my time with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I, um, I should talk about books more here. You know, I don't read, I, I have young children and that changes your life drastically. And I used to just devour natural history books, you know, like song of the Dodo by David Quammen, one of my very favorites. Um, I don't read like I used to. Uh, and, and it, it, I don't feel good about that. Um, but again, life with young children is busy and it does change things for you, but, but I'm looking to break out of that. And that, that would be a fun thing to talk about on this podcast more. Well, and I thought but, Lou was going to say those beautiful children and those beautiful landscapes that are all over your Instagram, but he went to the Bobcat. That's uh, all right. I, I like, Bobcat. I like seeing your, your life and <laughs> in, in the cool landscapes you get out to Michael. That's pretty awesome. All right. Well, yeah. We try to stay busy and I do enjoy doing okay. it with my kids. I got good little outdoorsy children, but that, that Bobcat Lou referred to, you know, was an, an opportunity that presented itself on, on a Mern's quail hunt. And I'd always wanted to take a Bobcat, but the only opportunities I've ever gotten have been close to urban centers. And I don't want to shoot something and, and eat it. That's full of rodenticides is what it comes down to. So um, that cat was, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's eaten thousands more Mern's quail than I will ever will. Um, and it was in beautiful, pristine country and it had this great opportunity. So, so we took that cat and uh, I ended up serving that, uh, in the form of tamales down at the state legislature. I served over 50 tamales to, uh, various legislators and, uh, uh, capital staff and not one person turned their nose up at it. So I was, I was very excited about that. Cat served a really good purpose. That's awesome. Well, if they had, it would have gone down on their, on their permanent record. So, you know, <laughs> be warned. <laughs> 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 All right. All right, fellas. Well, I want to say thank you. Um, I want to say that it's an absolute honor working with both of you. And it's, and I know I'm speaking for all of us at AWF and I say it's an honor to be an affiliate of such a great organization as National Wildlife Federation. 
Uh, Michael, you're you're a, a generous um, hunting partner and a great conservationist. So it's likewise, I really Thanks, appreciate man. working with you. I'm, I'm hey, grateful. We, we both got schooled on that last Mearns trip, though, by by Greg Monther. Oh guy, man, he, we we both got whooped by him. He, yes, I, I don't know how did. Greg is now, but seventy eight up there, seventy eight, and he's still hiking up and down <laughs> those steep, steep yeah. draws and and mountains and shooting a lot more birds than you and I did, man. There's, yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, right back at you, Michael. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate working with you, being a partner, and uh, maybe one of these days uh, I'll get on a hunt with with the two of you. I don't I don't get down as much I anymore, hope so, but you man. know, I'd, I'd, yeah, hopefully so. Yeah, yeah. If not, let's get out on the water and catch some trout. One of those two. All right, fellas, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Cheers. Thanks, Mike. Great podcast, man. Thanks, buddy. All right. Well, there you go. That is the National Wildlife Federation, one of the most effective and largest conservation organizations in our nation. And boy, am I sure proud that the Arizona Wildlife Federation serves as an affiliate to them. Also, I want to thank Aaron and Lou for coming on and telling us all about that great organization. Uh, those guys are, are big personalities, and I sure, sure enjoyed talking with them. Don't forget the Arizona Wildlife Federation is celebrating 100 years of conservation here in Arizona this year. That's a big deal. Um, making us the oldest conservation organization in the state. I brag about that all the time. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, if you are interested in supporting the Arizona Wildlife Federation, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes, checking out our website, dig around in there. If you have any questions, get a hold of me at podcast at azwildlife.org. As a supporter, you will get our quarterly glossy color magazine. Uh, this particular episode, or episode, this particular issue coming out, uh, I am very proud that I've got an article in there on field herping in Arizona. If you don't know what that is, go back and listen to our field herping episode on the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. Uh, it's worth it, uh, and it's worth supporting the good work that we do. All right. Again, don't hesitate to reach out. Podcast at azwildlife.org. And I will see you again in two weeks. Thanks for listening.